If your student is going to live on campus, they will need twin extra long sheets. The first thing people get wrong. It's the first thing people get freaked out about. The majority of students who enroll in college don't graduate in four years. Is my kid going to make friends? Are they going to fit in? Are they going to find their people at college? Are they going to fail a class? Between Beth and I, we have worked in higher education for 50 years. We really think that there's some opportunity for some great dialogue. From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's Twin XL. Now here's your hosts, Laura DeVoe and Beth Grampetro. I love when you get a phone call from a parent and it's an accusation that you've done something just to really screw with their kid. Because we, are, we, we, when employed at various colleges, definitely spend a lot yes. of time just trying to mess with individual students. Yes, I did. And Sarcasm like, font. No, we didn't. <laughs> I was like, this guy is like, well, my name is Bobby. I'm calling from Medford, Mass. I'm like, what's up, Bobby? <laughs> you did this on purpose, didn't you? I'm like, did what? You put my son with a Red Sox. I mean, you put a Red Sox fan with a Yankee fan in a room. I'm like, yes, that's what I do. I make sure I house... <laughs> Red Sox and Yankee fans together. Because we definitely, like, yeah. when working in residence life on a campus, the thing you want, for sure, right. for your own life, set is them to, up like, for failure. To set them up for failure and also, like, how can I arrange things so there will be as much conflict as possible? Because that will make my job awesome. So, right, exactly. None, I want of, none of this is happening. Yeah, so today we're talking about my favorite topic, dormitories. Or, Yay. as some of the folks in student affairs will say, residence halls. And, or many people will say residence halls. Why do they say that? Let's explain to the people. Let's talk about this because a dormitory is, they they see a residence hall as a place where there is actually education happening and it's more than a place for sleep. Dormitory comes from the Latin word dormir, meaning to sleep. So it is a very limited thing. And I think some people see dormitories as kind of like where you would have a barracks or something of that nature. Um, I, I don't get as hung up on the term, and this is something that puts me in battle with some of my, my colleagues. I'm like, I worry more about what's actually happening than what we're calling it, but Beth and I might disagree on this. I, when I was in college, dated a guy who lived in an actual barracks because he was a midshipman at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. That's sexy. There, mm, mm, uh, there was learning going on in there. I bet there was like, learning. <laughs> not... <laughs> I mean, it was an experience. That's a learning. Yeah. I learned how to sneak into those barracks. Yeah. Without being seen. <laughs> There's a lot of good learning that happens when you... Nowadays, they don't have as much sneaking in. No. But back back when I was in school, you had to sneak into places. And now you don't have to do that anymore. It's a lot more open and, and that sort of stuff, so, which is cool. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to say about Residence Hall? I mean, I, I appreciate and understand the... Um, the sort of motivation behind that name, I do think it's, I I wanted you to explain it to the parents listening because I do think it's important for them to know yeah. that there is going to be stuff happening if your student lives on campus and they're living in a residence hall. Like it is more of an experience than just like where it's they lay their head to, at night. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> and but I, I don't think it's fun when anyone dives on you because no. you said dorm. And I literally had that. They're like, put money in the what? dorm jar. I'm like, the dorm jar? You know, like people have a curse jar. Like, no. like anytime <laughs> someone says dorm, I make them give me a dollar. I'm like, 
you need to worry about other things. If that's what you're spending time on. Your priorities are priorities are messed up. So um, as you can see, we get kind of amped up about this. Hi, I'm Lauren DeVoe, and uh, this is Beth Grampedro. Say hi, Beth. Hi. Hi. She she decided to go intro just as I took a sip of my tea. I did. And (laughs) and this is Twin XL, the podcast about parenting through the college years, and we have already gone off the rails. We could literally do 65 episodes on stupid shit that has happened in residence halls and dormitories in our lives, ranging from everything from you know uh, nudity to fires to I mean there's just a lot of stuff oh my god Dave mark this down future episode mm. just a call-in <laughs> episode <laughs> of former RAs and hall directors oh my god with like the craziest shit crazy. that ever happened. happened in a residence hall no yes. problem you, yes. had, you had me at nudity no no <laughs> that's like what wait. is happening uh, nudity in a furnace room that's one Ew. that I had. Yes. That's so I was not nude in the furnace room. <laughs> that would be dangerous. Thank you for the clarification. There's a lot of things that could go awry there. Something could get burned. Um, so uh, we want you to realize is that if you are sending your kid off to school, there is always something you need to keep in mind. Is the freshman year, um, your kid is going to live in the dumpiest of dumps on campus and if your campus actually says oh no we put our students our freshman students in the nicest place that means their sophomore year there is going to be a big step down Mm -hmm. because nobody keeps all the classes in these wonderful spaces I have a philosophy and I have a theory on this is I really think putting freshmen in the dumpiest dump dump actually is better for them and let me explain There's why. There's nowhere to go but up. There's nowhere to go but up. And if they can make it, if they can make it their freshman year, <laughs> we're gonna make it after all. What was you know? the worst? Okay, so you went to Boston University. Yeah. Can we say it? Yeah, what was, we the, can what say was it. the worst storm on the BU campus in 1985? Uh huh. Warren Towers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not true anymore, though. No. Probably. No, probably not. I mean, I guess if you were to ask a freshman at BU, they might have a different opinion on that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I lived on West Campus, which was the thing overlooking Dickerson Field. Mm-hmm. And it was double corridor, common area bathroom, you know. It was single-gender rooms um, and all that sort of thing. It was nothing fancy. Everything was a cinder block box. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was ugly and awful, and you have to live in a room. And that's really the worst part for freshmen now is that they have to actually live with somebody. If you all think about if your child is actually living with someone, um, very few people in the same room. Very few people share a room. And for them, that's that's a big... is that the newlywed game? What are you playing? This is Laverne and Oh, Shirley. no, that's Laverne and Shirley. I love Laverne and Shirley. Oh, my God. Lenny and Squiggy are my favorite part of that show. Um, Hello. One of them. Oh, no. Carmine went to my high school. Anyway. Shut up. No, true. The big ragu? Fun fact. Wow. Um, so, yeah. and then the, But then you have the flip side yeah. of, like, there are going to be students for whom uh, living on campus might be extremely stable housing yes for yes them, and that which happened is, to which me which is frankly another topic and, but, and, and that yeah. happened to me at, a, at one of the schools i worked at in pennsylvania where students who came there who were a lot of rural first generation college students um they came in and they for the first time in life had their own bed yep. like one of the students said well, i'm just happy i'm not sleeping on the couch anymore like i have the last six years mm-hmm. so i mean you know we i, I really want parents to stop judging the the environment because they don't know who's showing up. Well, and also you know? like 
for those parents who might have just gone on campus tours or you might be doing some in the near future, understand that like a lot of schools are not showing you no, the, the shittiest dorm on no. the tour. If you if you <laughs> ask them, say, "Hey, can you show me the worst dorm?" They yeah. the, the the admissions people, their heads will just explode because that is not part of you know what they're thinking about. Well, and it depends. Like, I so I was a tour guide in college, and we there was a demo room set up. Um, yeah. which actually was a yeah. room that a, yeah. that a freshman would likely live in. But you also had the option as the tour guide to show your own room if you wanted, yep. if you lived in a double, which I did freshman year, and I did that occasionally. So it wasn't, it wasn't like not accurate to what a freshman would live in, but yeah. like you got this varied experience based on who your tour guide was, yes. which is still true today. Yeah. Um, so that's something to consider is like what you saw on the tour much like your well, student will tell you, it's yeah, and what your student will tell you once they're once they're actually in school when you come for parents weekend and the food is amazing. Yes, and your kid is going to be like, they made better food for you, yes. which is true. It's absolutely true. Hundred yeah, percent. You will have lobster. You will have a carving station. It'll be canapes. The, yes, it, just and you're everywhere. And your student will be like, oh, we had grilled cheese for the last yeah. week and a half. Yeah. So. Um, the you know, and when you think about not only the space, you're also going to think about the roommates and people get very freaked out about about their first freshman year roommate. Women in particular, and I'm going to be very gender-like statement here, and I apologize, and Beth is very good at taking me down when I'm going too far <laughs> down the gender, the gender stereotype roles, but women especially are looking at a best friend. Mm. Men can just be like, I just want a guy who's not going to fart all day, and I can just <laughs> deal with him, and I don't care. Like, guys don't get as freaked out about that, okay? Women are like, well... I've literally had women say, well, we're the same size, so I think we could like, share clothes. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, Dave's face right, Dave's now. Face right now. I was like, what? <laughs> like, uh, and I'm just like, stop. You want to stop right now. If you are actually going into a roommate scenario and you're thinking, well, they're from the same town. We've got a lot of the same things. We wear the, wear the same size clothes. We have a lot of the same interests and we have the same friends on Facebook. And all. No, this is a recipe for disaster. We opened up the show with this like actual situation where father did call me excusing me of screwing up his his son's life because I've housed him with a with a Yankee fan like that that is a better roommate scenario Red Sox nation Yankee nation <laughs> than two best friends who are 18 year old women okay and and it just it will go off the rails you well, want to live with someone who you can live with not who's going to be your best friend for the rest of your life and I think the thing is too that and we'll probably get deeper into this yes. as we kind of talk about this topic more but you know college in general is a time to expand your horizons and meet new people yes and being with someone that you already know or someone that feels like people you already know is not necessarily going to do that for you. Mm -hmm. um, and there might be challenges or perceived challenges. And we'll talk about this, I think a bit after the yep. break about like when you, when your student gets that email mm -hmm. and that says, you know, your roommate is Jim Baker and he, Oh God, imagine Jim Baker. <laughs> well, I tried to, I was trying to think of a basic name in the well, first it happened, one. It happened to someone. Yeah, the first one that came into my head was Jim Jones, which is worse. <laughs> All right. So you get your roommate's name, and it's Charles Manson. Yes. I mean, just for example. All right. And so. <laughs> and then you panic. And no, <laughs> but like people today obviously go, you know, look them up on Facebook or Google them and right. make all these assumptions and kind of freak out about like, oh, it looks like they like this thing that I don't like, or they're gay, or they're this, or they're that, and decide that, you know, in advance of that, like, oh, I'm not going to like them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you know, 
social media can have all these wonderful applications, but it has kind of removed the mystery from roommates yeah. in a way that unfortunately some students and their parents yes. use to like call the school before move-in weekend even happens and be like, my little girl cannot live with this person who does X, Y, and Z. Yes. That can't happen. And the staff at most colleges are going to politely put you off, off right. <laughs> and say, As they should. let's wait yeah. until you move in and see what happens. And so after the break, <laughs> Lord of O's patented three interactions toward a successful roommate relationship. Patent pending. Patent pending. <laughs> As we go to break, um, I need to apologize on behalf of Pod 617. We love our pop culture here. We don't usually make mistakes, but you were singing the theme to Mary Tyler Moore. I was. I was. And I mistook it for the theme for we're going to make we're going to make off. our dreams come true as opposed to we're going to make it after all. <laughs> so, a thousand apologies Fix it. to Fix it. I w- I'm fixing it right now by playing not only the song but the Joan Jett version. I love this version. It's perfect. <laughs> How will you make it on your own? This world is Hi everybody, I'm Chami Perel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head. Literally, pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Go to pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride podcast. The hilarious show known as Shawshanked. And the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. So what do... students need to do and what did what do their parents need to encourage them to do to to get a roommate relationship off on the right foot okay so we've talked about this idea of uh you know starting out with looking them up on social media which is going to happen and um you know when that happens don't freak out like i know people who made statements about not just what they looked like or what they wore or what some of their political affiliations are or whatever but is that you got to take a look and just kind of now make an effort to make that very first interaction which is an introduction okay and i always say you know it's better to do it by phone call don't do it by text you can. The great thing now is through direct message on Facebook or Twitter or any number of things, you can you can kind of ping that person and get a connection going. Lots of schools also have other ways through their own uh, roommate matching software. Um, and let me talk really quick about that roommate matching software. Okay, there's different options out there. Your kid's going to fill it out. Your kid needs to fill it out as I'm like banging oh on the God. table. So. Quick side note on that, yep. and this is irrelevant now. <clears throat> the example I'm going to give is a bit irrelevant now because most places are, residence halls are non-smoking yep. across the board, yep. as they should be. It's yep. appropriate. Back in the day, though, yes. when that was allowed in the residence hall, you would find that many parents would fill out the, the form back yeah. then and mail it in for their kid and be like, David's a non-smoker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and he gets matched with someone who doesn't smoke and then he's, you know, they're fighting over it or he's relegated to like smoking by an open window in the dead of winter. Right. right. So like now it won't be about smoking. It's going to be, but about- it'll be about something else that if you fill it out for your student, mm-hmm. you're going to like aspirationally fill it out. Yes. <laughs> My kid is very neat. Yeah. No, they're not. They're slobs. They you, study uh, like six hours a day and go to bed by 10. Yes. No, they don't. They don't, they don't. (laughs) Or they won't once they get there. So let your kid fill the form out. The software and the way that the institution engages through it, the student needs to, to, um, will get their alerts. They'll be told um, where where they're going to be living and who they're going to be living with. Um, And then the first interaction should be truly just an introductory conversation. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I like to do. This is why I'm coming to this school that sort of thing. This is for the students to do. This is not for the parents to do. Um, the parents should be encouraging the students to do this, um, and the parents should not be in the room while this conversation is happening. Um, if the student has been assigned to a room that has more than one person, um, have an opportunity to have as many of these conversations as possible and as many iterations in terms of formats. Is it all three talking at once or all four talking at once or is it one, 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 one? It does take a little more time, but I think it's important. The number two phone call or the number two interaction is what I like to call the housekeeping call, okay? The who's bringing what call? The who's bringing what call, okay? And that is the one that... Is oftentimes the last interaction, and I don't want that to be the last interaction. The housekeeping call should be about everything from, okay, typically if your kid is going to be the one living closest to the institution, they're going to be the one bringing the heaviest shit. Um, in other words, the, <laughs> the, 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 the refrigerator or if they allow microwaves in the residence hall or whatever, you're, you're probably going to be bringing the heavy stuff because you're coming closer. The kid who's coming from overseas on, a te- on, a, on an airplane is not going to be bringing a microwave oven with them on the plane okay <laughs> so those are things that are the the sharing the room is only so big you can't have one of everything for everyone living there and so this is where that conversation happens and that's actually the one where people actually have fun with the call okay mm-hmm. So that's the second call. The third call is what I like to call what are you like on your worst day phone call. Okay, and if you don't know, um, if a kid is like, well, I don't know what I'm like on my first day. This is actually where a parent can actually <laughs> yeah, be helpful. Yeah, you probably know. You know what that kid's <laughs> like on their worst day. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> I use this example all the time because I think it's relevant. When I got married, my husband and I have very different ways of being sick, okay? I need constant care and attention. I need Shocker. someone I need someone <laughs> to come to me with tea and sick soup and saltines with just a little bit of grape jelly on them, you know, like that's what I need. Okay, it's like that sounds grape dis- jelly. I love grape jelly okay. on sa- on saltines. I don't like it on much anything else, but I like it on saltines. It must be some combination of salty sweet. Um, but <laughs> That's what I need. My husband, on the other hand, and now I'm thinking, we first got married 22 years ago. I said, okay, so there's, here's the thing. I know, I know what you need when you're sick. I'm going to coddle you and I'm going to take care of you. Get the fuck out of the room. I don't want you anywhere <laughs> near me. I want to be alone. And I'm like, what? This is insane. Okay, you, it's the same type of thing. When you are in a room with someone, if you're, how are you when you're stressed? How are you when you're sick? How are you when you're sad? 
I am not a hugger. Again, no shock. Um, <laughs> I don't need someone walking up to me. It's like, you look sad. Can I give you Can a hug? I hug you? No, no, I will punch you in the neck. Like, I don't need this. Okay. But that's what, when, when I was in college my freshman year, I think one of the worst parts of that relationship with my with my roommate was there were times after class when I would walk down that double corridor hallway and I would see the door was open my room was at the very end of the hall and I knew when my roommate was home because she would always have the door open and mm-hmm. the, the light was shining out into the hallway and I'd be walking out the hall and all I wanted to do was be alone mm-hmm. and on your worst day if all you want to do is be alone and your roommate's there, how are you going to talk that through? And that what you are like on your worst day conversation is so important to have and very few people actually have it. And as a parent, you should be encouraging that conversation to happen and you should be encouraging your child to do two things. Number one, be honest about themselves. And number two, not judge someone else because as I always say, and this is, you know, if, if Lord of O were to make a, a, you know, a series of mugs with sayings on them, <laughs> one of them is, I can't, you can't tell someone how to feel. Mm. And if you, if you want someone to actually listen to you and actually be empathetic with you, there should be no judging of that feelings. And the feelings need to be their own and they need to be respected. And you may not necessarily understand why someone feels that way, but you have to at least you know, honor the fact that they're feeling that way. So those are my three things. How do you feel about those? I think those are really great. How I think- do you feel about them, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're not, if there's no nudity in the segment, I'm not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did have one thought. It, it, how often do you get that? I mean, I think the pers- there, are, there are the people that say, you know, um, once a week I get in a really shitty mood and just leave me alone, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. they're self-aware. But mm-hmm. but aren't more people not that self-aware? Aren't more people, you know what I mean? Um, accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and espe- yeah. Well, and especially we have to remember we're talking about, you know, uh, young adults who are probably, some of them are very self-aware. Mm-hmm. I've, I've worked on several different campuses now. I've seen yeah. every, they've run the gamut. And yes, it's going to be difficult for some of them because they may not really be self-aware about like, well, how do I behave mm-hmm. when I'm stressed or how do I behave toward others when I'm mad at them? Mm-hmm. Um, but encouraging communication and honesty is always a good starting point. Yes, yeah, yeah. some kids at that age may not have even considered this question before. Oh, like, how, yeah, like, true. what are you like? I like it. Yeah. it. So at least to pose the question, even if they're not self-aware, yeah. at least maybe yeah. it's a step towards that. And, and that actually can be a conversation the parents can start having with them first. Like even before you get your roommate assignment, Mm-hmm. Let's think about what are the challenges you're going to be in this relationship. A lot of times we like to be in the default mode as parents to think our child, even though we know what their ticks are and what their issues are and what their you know their challenges are, we want to uh, we want to be able to be their cheerleader and say my kid's great, my kid's awesome, and which is which is fine. I have no issue with and cheerleading true. your kid, they, and actually they are should. great and awesome, right? But you also need to be honest <laughs> about the fact your kid is a certain way, okay? And that you know if if I know for a fact that my child is going to be that kid who loses their key about a thousand times in college, <laughs> it is not going to be any. And I, no, she's going to be a key loser. My child is going to be a key loser. And, you know... This is what you need, Laura. Somebody bought this for me. So this is good podcasting when I'm saying everybody look at this. It's on my keychain. It's about the size of a quarter, maybe, and yep. uh, but a lot thicker than a quarter. And it's this button. 
and whenever I lose it, so it's on my keychain. It doesn't help if you, it, it helps if you lose your keys or your phone because on your phone you hit an app, you hit a button and your key makes a sound. But it works in the reverse too. If you lose your phone, oh. you hit this and the Ooh. phone makes a sound. Oh. I yep. need that. Fancy. I, yep. No, you know who needs that? My husband. Because he's the reason my child loses stuff. Do, okay. they, do they have one that you can put on um, earbuds? Yeah. That's a good Speaking idea. Speaking of husbands. That's yeah. a, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were going to say right around his neck. <laughs> no, his no, never. Yeah. But, uh, but I do, I am asked where the headphones are right. a couple times a week. So if you know your kid, <laughs> so getting back to my point, if, you're, if you know your kid is going to be the kid losing keys, okay? Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to sit down, let's say, you know, fast forward to the point where my daughter is going to college and I say, okay, it hasn't gotten better. You are a key loser. If you lose your keys, by losing your keys, because you're doing that, you're putting someone else's safety at risk. You're putting someone else's stuff at risk. Mm -hmm. So I want you to keep in mind is that you need to get better at this because you're putting other things at risk. But also, once it happens, you need to admit to it. And mm-hmm. you need to admit these things so it can get addressed immediately, which which is important. And having that conversation with them and say, how do you admit to someone who you like and respect that you screwed up? How do you do these things? And, and that when you're working with your kid on emotionally getting them ready to make that step to go to college, that is something that you can start to do right now and say, you're not going to be any prize to live with, right? (laughs) Or you may be a prize to live with. And some people will be fighting over the fact that they want to live with you because you're going to be a great roommate to whomever. Mm -hmm. But you need to be able to position yourself and advocate for yourself because even a student who is in the best scenario needs to find a voice of self-advocacy. Before we go into the break, this is a a rip from the headlines real example of my life in my freshman year. I had a roommate, Melinda Dellerson from Austin, Texas, and (laughs) Melinda did everything loud, everything. She put on (laughs) mascara loud. This woman was just a loud human. And when it came to, she had this tendency that when she had an exam, rather than you know, she was not a person who stayed up all night and studied. Rather, she got to bed early in the morning. She got to bed earlier at night and then would wake up at some god-awful hour, like 2 a.m., and then then work all the way through. I but, guess, girl. Mm. <laughs> but there were two issues with this. Number one, I was sleeping in the room. Number two, she would put her um, alarm clock all the way on the other side of the room by my, oh, by my so bed. so she couldn't, like, slap the snooze button? So she couldn't slap the snooze button. Oh. And so... I was unable to advocate for myself until one morning when she, the alarm went off, she jumped out of bed to go get it, and her legs were still asleep, and she face-planted on the carpet, got a big carpet burn on her face. I laughed so hard, I literally peed the bed. Literally (laughs) peed the bed. Okay? And now she's bleeding. I'm in a a wet bed, and I said, now we need to talk. (laughs) Because I now need to say why this is not a good scenario for anyone in this room. Don't let it get that far. Do not get let it get to the point, be, ladies and gentlemen. Be not so quiet. Where until. you are either wetting the bed or bleeding from the face. So after the break, <laughs> after the break, the resident assistant and what that person can do for your child. From pod617.com and Hirsch Roberts Weinstein LLP, it's Higher Ground featuring higher education attorney John Graff. We are dealing with issues that are breaking on an hourly basis sometimes in higher ed. What we wanted to do was actually bring the information 
to the listener at a time when it's convenient for them. Succinct, brief, punchy discussions with people who have experience and particularly through the lens of the people on the ground in higher ed. Higher Ground, presented by the law firm of Hirsch Roberts Weinstein LLP. Find all episodes at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod, we trust. So welcome back from the break. You know, with something I forgot to bring up before we went in because I was so distracted about my pee in the bed story <laughs> is that when you when you are uh, kind of coaching your kid through these conversations, um, one of the things that you're going to want to do as a parent is say, you know what, maybe I should share my telephone number with the other parents of the other roommates. I have this is a this is a thing where I am going to judge you. If you do that, <laughs> which is fine, um, but you, you may say you can still do it. It's up to you, and it's up to you and what's going on. I, the reason I get nervous about it is I have literally had an uptick in the last few years of parents getting into arguments with each other um, to a point where on one campus I was working at, we actually had to have the police involved to say, you, you as parents need to stay away from each other because you are not helping. Um, so I would say we need to keep this in, in perspective. Well, and there's, I mean, <clears throat> I, I have a tale that yeah. can start off our segment because it's about both RAs and parents. Yes, go ahead. Uh, when I was a residence hall director at Virginia Tech in 2003, okay. I uh, had a young lady come to my office upset because her roommate, to hear her tell the story, was drinking a lot and and you know, bringing dudes back to the room and mm-hmm. she didn't like it. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, you you guys should talk about, you know, what your sort of internal internal room rules are going to be about these things. Yes. And like, when should the room be quiet and all this other stuff? And she's insisting like, no, no, she won't listen. And I was like, have you really tried to talk to her? Have you talked to your RA? And she says, no. But the RA um, should have known that something was wrong because I'm she sees me all the time sitting out in the hallway on my laptop. And in this particular residence hall, the students did that all the time. So I pointed out, like, look, you know, Kim's not really going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. People do that. It's a normal behavior. So we have this whole conversation, and she's upset because I'm basically saying, you know, if you're truly unhappy, you may want to request a new room, and here's the process for that. And she clearly thought when she came to my office that I was going to throw her roommate out, which mm-hmm. was not going to happen. No. She gets her mother involved. Her mother calls and yells at me. Her mother calls and yells at my boss. She threatens to come to family weekend, which was coming up, and go to the president's breakfast and tell the president how terrible my boss and I are because we won't do what they want. So it's very extra. Mm -hmm. And we sort of were like, cool, the president probably doesn't even know who we are. And you'll notice by my response that I'm like, yep, 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 because this happens all the time. This happens all the time. But so... We finally get the student to understand, like, look, you have options, and mm-hmm. here's what you can do, and whatever. So later that same evening, I'm at a friend's apartment elsewhere on campus, and I get a call from the RA of that floor. <laughs> she says, Mom, and uh, let's say the other student was Jessica. Jessica's mom, Jessica called me, or came to my room, and she's very upset because someone from the university called her mother. And I said, really? What, what about because I'm like, well, I didn't call her mom. Why would anyone call her mom? She said that someone called and said they were calling from the university to tell her that her daughter is drinking a lot at mm-hmm. college and being very promiscuous, and she should check in on her. And I just said to the RA, Kim, I just, I can't really say much about this, but no one from the university called Jessica's mom. And she goes, what do you mean? And I was like, I mean that no one from the university called Jessica's mom. Right. So for you sleuths at home, right. 
It was the first roommate's mom. It was the first roommate's mom. Who was mad and called up the other girl's mom and impersonated a university official, which you can't do generally. That's a bad look. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) In the Commonwealth of Virginia at the state schools, I believe at the time, this may not be the case anymore, the the legal counsel of the university is like an arm of the attorney general's office. So I'm pretty sure this mom got a call from the Virginia AG's office being like, you cannot no. pretend that you work at Virginia Tech right. to harass another parent. And and that's, you know, the, the, the tale that Beth just told you is something that I have seen in various manifestations where parents say, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to champion the cause of my child either directly or some other kind of like, I am going to put on a Tony Award winning, uh, you know, <laughs> performance that will show that I am either a member of the institution or I am some member of the press. I've had parents actually say they're a reporter calling someone else's parents about something. I mean, people <sighs> go completely off the rails. So be, be mindful of the fact don't come off bonkers, okay? If there is a rule of parenting, don't be bonkers, okay? USC got a lot of calls <laughs> about Lori Laughlin's daughters recommending her there, and they said, you know, what, is this Lori's mom? And the woman said, no, this is her uh, Aunt Becky. So <laughs> it's not what you think at all. <laughs> I, just think, I just think that's, I just picture, kid, the, the the gall you have to have. Like, I, I'm, I'm actually sitting here thinking, did she actually look up what a person's name was and say it was there? Did she just say, hi, this is uh, Amanda Lee Heffenreffer calling yeah, from right. the school? <laughs> you know? I mean, at what point don't you realize that's a horrible idea? Yeah. I really, I mean, there are many times that we've run across these things where you, you look and say, "Does what's the deal? My my biggest question always is when either something like that happens, the, the bonkers phone call, or the situation that I've seen multiple times, unfortunately, where it's move-in day. Oh, and something happens and the parents are suddenly having a shouting match or yes. getting close to blows in a room. Yeah. But it's like one parent of a couple if mm-hmm. the parents are married or in a couple. And I'm always looking at the quiet half of the couple going, is this a surprise to you or no? Like, you know, right. you just wonder, like, is this how your husband or wife or partner behaves often? Yes. Or are you sitting here also going, I don't know what's gotten into my person here, but this is horrifying and bananas. Like, it's... It's there, a lot. There are certain rules about move-in day that I try to subscribe to. Number one, fathers will never leave until all of the electronics in the room are set up. And that is one of those things where some <laughs> this, of these this fathers... This is a problem? This, this is a problem? I mean, come on. Right. Well, you see, Dave, If there were a thermostat, if, they would have to check yeah, that. Yeah, no. And, and there's some fathers <laughs> who have no business trying to set up anything, okay? But yet they're like, I think I need to have all this set up. And it's like, no, just... It, and I say to students, let them do it and then reset it when they leave, okay? Because it's not helpful to get in the way and to have these arguments. Mothers are going to want to unpack every stitch of, of clothing. They're going to want to set the bed, just like, you know, Beth's talked about her mom. bed like Mary Ellen did. Yeah, yeah yep. like that. But mom's always like, put all the clothes away. You know, like I always say, the top drawer is where the underwear goes. That's the only thing that, that's our common ground in humanity is that the top drawer of your dresser is where the underwear goes. And if you put your underwear in any other drawer, you're wet you're just messed up there's nothing about that that's normal okay but that the parents that's where they want to put everything they want to make sure you're settled in and there is a heightened level of agita that is happening in these rooms because the parents are scared you as a parent are scared that this is your last opportunity to actually set the room up and set it up right and you're going to walk into this room and you're going to look at it and you're going to think in the back of your head, mother, 
of stars. I am not going to be able to leave my child here if I don't know that everything is set up. And that's a lot of times the first time you're going to see your resident assistant. And these resident assistants are moving around the building on move-in day, helping with either unloading stuff or just issuing keys or greeting your student and that sort of thing. And resident assistants are people who are typically upperclassmen, sometimes graduate students at the institution. Um, and they are compensated in some way. These are employees, paraprofessional employees of the institution. Most institutions, some schools still have them as volunteers. It's very, very few. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a resident assistant in 1987 to 1989 at Boston University, and it was my first foray into student services, and I got bitten by the bug, and that's what got me into this profession. Um, Beth was also a resident assistant at Hofstra. That would be uh, 98 to 01 at good old Hofstra U. And those were times. And those <laughs> that was really that was one of those things where it, it gave me first of all, it was one of these first opportunities. I actually got to work with a peer group in a way that was meaningful. And I think that's one one of the things that's great about these positions is that not only does it help the students they're serving, it helps the students who they who are serving in the positions themselves become better in better individuals. Um, they're building transferable skills. It's a leadership position. They're able to do crisis management. Um, they're able to learn how to call up and and get other people to come and help. I mean, these are very important jobs. And as a parent, um, one of the things you need to know about these people is they're students. First and foremost, they are students. Um, and they are doing this not for the money, not for the glory, not for the cool polo shirt with the um, embroidered you know, college logo on it. They're doing this for a reason. And if the first time you meet your son or daughter's resident assistant um, and you introduce yourself to them, first of all, don't give them your phone number. Don't give them... And don't ask for theirs. Don't ask for theirs. That's weird. They, and they won't give it to you. And if they do, that's that, that's a problem. And I would, I, that's a whole other story. But <laughs> is that when you are introducing yourself, one of the best things you can do is say, why did you decide to do this job? I'd love to know more wh- about why. And I am never one to judge. There are students, one of the, some of the best students I ever worked with um, were at um, state school in Pennsylvania, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And every student on that staff that I had um, would have told me that part of the reason or number one or number two reason that they became an RA was to help defer the cost of their education. And I had real discussions with colleagues at the time and they said I don't know if I want somebody on staff who is doing this for the money and I said you know what I their motivation if this is a job that to me is great because then they're going to treat it like a job and they're going to be excited about it because they need it and I want them to want to need this job as an aside um, the notion that like we should all just be doing our jobs because we love them yeah. and the money should be second to that. That's bullshit. Is terrible. Yeah, that's a that's terrible, terrible thing. That is terrible. Like, I hope everyone gets a job they love. That's awesome. But like, judging someone because they need a paycheck is real dumb. Anyway. Yeah. But the RA is going to be somebody that um, when you're talking to your student, if they're having a tough time with anything, whether it be a roommate conflict, whether it be balancing their time in and out of the classroom. Sometimes parents don't think about, hey, you know what? You should go to the RA if you're having trouble with studying or, stu- or p- balancing your life. That is an absolute, uh, an important reason for the student to go to the RA. The RA has to balance a lot 
being mm-hmm. part of that position is a lot of time. Um, RAs should be there as a first point of contact if your child is having a tough time. The RA is not going to necessarily be able to solve a problem. The RA, however, is going to be able to give your child a suggestion on a first step towards a solution and what are some of the things that are available to them at the institution to help them. So RAs are not a, a, a magic pill. Okay, the RAs are an entree to solutions and can be a great advocate for your student and help them find their own voice for advocacy. The other thing that the student gets from talking to the RA that you cannot provide because you are not there and you are not boots on the ground seeing what's happening, the RA has an a perspective of what's happening around the student. Beth brought up a story earlier about you know kids working on laptops who sit on a floor. The, the RA is going to know the culture of their floor is a certain way. And so if a student is not connecting within that environment or is having a difficult time in that environment or, on the other hand, is a leader in that environment, that RA is going to be able to pull from their first-line experience and be able to help the student kind of troubleshoot their way through the issue. So going to the RA does not always have to be a residence life problem that they are looking for a solution. Oh, and the the role, you know, it, it differs a little bit on different campuses. It might even have a different name on some campuses. Yep, absolutely. But, um, they are generally going to be trained to be the first person a student comes to with mm-hmm. many different issues. Yes. And like Laura said, it may be that it's a res life issue. They may go to the RA to say, I lost my key or my roommate and I aren't getting along or there's something broken in our room. What do we do? It may also be, yeah, I think I need tutoring. Where do I go? Or, you know, any number of things. And the RA should hopefully be trained to know where to refer that student. Yeah, Resident assistants receive days upon days upon days of training prior to the arrival of the students. So anyway, uh, we are wrapping up this uh, podcast. We will come back to this topic again because we know a lot and we want you to send us your questions. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Subscribe on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, and how will they get in touch with us, Beth? They can find us on Twitter at TwinXLPod or send us an email at TwinXLPod at gmail.com. We would love to hear your questions and suggestions. We'd like to thank David Yez, our wonderful producer, and see you next time. Always a pleasure, never a chore. (laughs) 